welcome to the Jack and Ian show. You might notice that we're in a different location today, but we're going to talk about the same stuff we would have anyway. Um, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. That feels fairly obvious, I feel like. I think that feels like a pretty massive sporting event coming up. On top of that, the NBA trade deadline is coming up this Thursday, and as it stands right now on Tuesday evening, a lot of stuff has already happened, so we're going to talk about that as well. Ian, now, I hope you had a good break. I did. We, we had a yes. nice little break here. We got some snow um, here in Fort Worth, and something of notability was a video that was in mass circulation on Thursday. You, do you care to explain to the viewer about yeah. this video and the significance of it? Yeah, so so as, as everyone that attends TCU knows and everyone that's in this Dallas-Fort Worth area knows, it um, was pretty snowy on um, Thursday morning and all of Thursday. And so us being college kids, we went out and had fun. We went on the football field at Amon G. Carter Stadium and um, Nate Cross, his ankles, uh, yeah, his ankles were he left were them, broken. He dude. left them in his dorm, I think. Yeah. Because they were missing. Yeah. Um, somebody, I, I don't know who, but somebody broke his ankles on the football field. The dude slipped up, messed up the coverage. Yeah, we got to try and get this video uh, edited in here so yeah. that you might see it. It truly is amazing. Yeah. Um, so you were, what, what y'all were just like running routes or whatever yeah. on the field? I mean, and I, yeah, I mean, basically at the time we didn't actually have a football, so we just did one-on-one -on -one routes. I, I told, uh, one of my friends to film it. Luckily enough, he filmed it at the right moment. Then I, I, I just put him in the powder <laughs> pretty much simple as that. Luckily for Nate, there was plenty of ice under that powder Yeah, and it showed my goodness. I mean, the thing was about that video that made it amazing. It's like, yeah, you ran a good route, but at the same time, like, as he was running it, like, he was already falling <laughs> on the first step. Like, it wasn't even like, it was like a couple steps into it and you made a move. Yeah. Like, it was when you were, it just was when you were running straight ahead. He was visibly falling, like, yeah, he was already very much so off balance. Yeah. And the dude just takes like he just stumbles back. I, it, you know, it, like, it looks staged the way he falls. Yes, it really does. It looks fake. <laughs> but but no, yeah, Nate Nate definitely ate ate crap that day. Um, that was amazing. And the best part about it was like it was everywhere. It was. That Barstool TCU posted was it everywhere. Didn't TCU itself? TCU post itself it? posted it as That's well. That's just brutal. That's just so, TCU can't be doing it. I, I felt bad for Nate, but at the same time, it was hilarious. <laughs> I need. I haven't talked to him since this video came out. Yeah. I haven't seen him. I think he might be avoiding yeah. but, uh, because of that video. But man, that was funny. Yeah. I mean, has he? What did he? What was his reaction to the whole thing? He was like, was he "Screw you guys." He's like, "Screw you guys. Why did you guys post this?" Be, because oh. because Jordan sent it to to Barstool and they posted it. Oh, so did he know that he sent it though, or did he find he out? He didn't on know. I didn't even know that Jordan sent it. <laughs> he was just scrolling through. I know. And he saw him fall. Yeah. That's amazing. So so yeah, that, that's how he found no, that, out. That's absolutely incredible though. <laughs> that he had no idea that that was going to be in circulation. He would have been scrolling through Instagram or Twitter or whatever and just seen this video of himself falling. 
Yeah, so, so. Oh my gosh. Anyways, Nate, I apologize, but. How timely hey, was that, though? At least we both got a good laugh out of it, so. Yeah, how timely was that, too? That one time you were like, hey, can you video this? I know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad I told someone, too. You caught a little bit of magic with that. I did, that, that I did. video, like, legitimately, I'm hoping we could edit it in. Oh, yeah, Because yeah. it, every time I watched it for the next day or two, like, every time I saw it, it really <laughs> did make me laugh out loud. <laughs> It made Especially because you know very me too. Right? Oh my gosh. That video was incredible. Like when I saw that, I was like, I think I saw it on like Jordan's Snapchat story or yeah. something. I was like, that is hilarious. Yeah. And then I saw it on Barstool and I was like, there's no way. Yeah. Like this is ridiculous. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised to find it on Barstool. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That was, that was hilarious. That was the highlight of this last weekend. Uh, the Pro Bowl was not. Yeah. Um, we're not even going to talk about that this show. <laughs> because it's just worthless. The, the Pro Bowl's useless. Again, I, I mean, I've said it before about other, you know, all-star type of events, but it's just a popularity contest. I mean, obviously, the players that deserve to be there are there. But That's no one's trying. No, no one's trying. It's a waste of a game. And I, I mean... I, I never watched the Pro Bowl. I've never actually sat down no, to watch the Pro No, I have Bowl. one time and I was like 12. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. like, I, didn't, I didn't care about the quality of the game, no. but now that I'm like, this is just stupid. Like, I have better stuff to do. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, no, we know exactly. these guys are good players. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to watch them go out there and play two-hand touch. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. And also, get it out of Las Vegas, please. Move the Raiders back to Los. Move the Raiders back to Oakland. Oh God, dude! I know everyone's <laughs> going roster, to Vegas. Your whole roster is going to be in prison by next year. Our roster <laughs> in, a, in, in Vegas. Who knows? I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to make a joke out of it, but Alvin Kamara, you know, he was caught up in quite a messy situation after the game. He's facing up to five years in prison after oh, like brutally beating this guy. And where was it? Vegas. So. Yeah. We'll see what comes of that, but after a pretty um, uneventful weekend in terms of football, we are going to be looking forward to the Super Bowl. So this is going to be the Super Bowl preview. It's going to take place on Sunday afternoon um, between the Rams and the Bengals, and we've got a couple keys to, uh, keys to the game for each of the teams. So um, I'm going to start out with talking about the Bengals first, and one of the keys to the game that that the Bengals will need to hit on in order to win is that their O-line must protect Joe Burrow. Mm. Um, I think this, is, this isn't this is just something that um, needs to work for this game, but they need to figure it out for next season and the, and the following season and the seasons after that. Because just like we saw last year, Joe Burrow was thrown off of his back foot. That's how he got injured was because of his O-line being pretty crappy and um, he tore his ACL. And so really... What the Bengals need is a solid offensive line for this game against the Rams. Obviously, um, it's one thing. It's not a simple fix, um, especially considering you're playing against the Rams. So this is a this is going to be a huge part um, uh, in in terms of the Bengals finding or not finding success. I mean, the the Bengals have given up 55 sacks um, during the regular season, and they've already given up 12 during just this playoff stint this uh, this year. And they're actually playing a Rams defense that has 50 sacks this season already. Between Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller and the other guys on their defensive line, I mean, they're pretty stacked going up against this Bengals mm-hmm. O-line. So it's important that the O-line protects Joe Burrow. And on top of that, um, 
protecting Joe Burrow also gives space for him to throw, time for him to throw, but it also gives space and time for Joe Mixon to actually find holes because right. that's kind of something that he wasn't able to find against Kansas City that much. You know, when, when they were playing, I mean, he, he had a couple big runs, but you kind of need to feed Joe Mixon a little more than that. Right. And, and I, I think if they can find the holes where they can balance out the pass and the rushing offense, I think they can have a, um, some, some real success. But that's one thing. Um, and then moving on, though, um, secondly, the Bengals will really need to use their full receiving core. I think this is I, – I, I think either Tyler Boyd or um, T. Higgins is going to have a monster game just because um, the Rams are going to be focusing mainly on Jamar Chase, um, preventing him from the deep ball. Um, stopping his speed, you know, and and I think if the Rams focus too much on Jamar Chase, that can leave targets like Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins open. Mm. Um, and also, you have to consider that the Bengals are going to be without C.J. Uzama, who um, I'm not sure what the actual injury was, but it seemed like he tore his ACL last right. weekend or the, the weekend before um, against the Chiefs. And so, I mean, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are really going to have to step up this game. Um, I know T. Higgins had a couple of pretty deep uh, catches against the Chiefs, so he's going to have to do that as well um, because this Bengals offense is not just going to get it done between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. So they're going to have to really step up for this game. Um, and then thirdly, um, and, and finally for, for the last key to the game for the Bengals, is just finding pressure um, and, and, and putting pressure on Matthew Stafford. Um, obviously, Matthew Stafford is not a very mobile quarterback, um, but when you give him time and when you give him space, he can throw a dime. Um, it's as simple as that. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback through and through. And I think defensively, the Bengals are really going to have to look toward um, Hubbard and Hendrickson to keep piling on the pressure that they've, that, that they've been doing this entire season. I mean, those two guys alone have already combined for 21 and a half sacks just this season. So they're going to have to play a huge part. Um, for that Bengals defense in, in, in putting pressure on Matt Stafford. Yeah, most certainly. And of these three, it feels like the most important is probably Tyler Gordon, T. Higgins. Yeah. Um, listen, Jamar Chase is the obvious guy that they're going to try and get the ball to. Yep. In order to open up the offense, they have to make Higgins and Boyd a threat. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, if we saw this against the Chiefs also. Chase was guarded heavily against yeah. the Chiefs that first half. And rightfully, Joe Burrow did not really get him the ball. Yeah. But he was able to get Uzama at the time, Boyd and Higgins the ball. Yeah. And that was able to keep him in the game. Now, they didn't score at the time, mm -hmm. but they were setting it up for the second half to where they would have to respect those receivers just as much as they respected Jamar Chase, and that's what's really important. Yeah. They have to make it where you can no longer afford to double-team Jamar Chase because those two guys are too big of weapons. Yeah. And they have to make it... And, and once that happens, though, mm -hmm. Chase will be able to get open. Yeah. And that's when the, the offense, everything mm -hmm. is an option. Exactly. You know, so that is the most important thing is that first quarter, first quarter and a half especially, looking at Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins a lot mm -hmm. and getting them targets just in general just to try and open up the rest of the game plan, try and yeah. make it, uh, Chase more of an option as the game goes along. You might not score on those drives, but you're setting yourself up a lot better for later in the game, kind of like they did against the Chiefs. Yeah, I feel like that is of the utmost importance. And then you talked about the offensive line protecting Joe Burrow, yeah. who is 
Joe Burrow has quickly become the most celebrated quarterback in the quickest yeah. fashion I feel like I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, literally in the span of about three weeks, yeah. everybody's like, oh yeah, that's my favorite NFL player. Mm-hmm. Like, somehow, like, mm-hmm. if you asked him, like, eight weeks ago, like, probably give a different answer, but yeah. Joe Burrow is awesome. I believe in this Bengals team, too. Yeah. Particularly Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They won a college football national championship together. Yeah. In college, they had probably the best college football team in about a decade. They were on that. And that was the LSU team that won a title in 2019. I mean, that team was insane. And they were really the two leaders of that team. Yep. When you go back and look at it, at least on the offensive end. And so they've kind of been there, done that. Not at the NFL level, not at the level of the Super Bowl. That's a lot. This, the Super Bowl has a lot more spectacle to it yeah. than the college football playoff. But it's still a championship game on a massive stage mm-hmm. where a lot of eyes are on it. Yeah. And so that should give the Bengals a little bit of hope in terms of experience. Yeah. That is a big problem for them versus kind of the Rams team in terms of veterans and that type of thing. The Rams obviously have far, far more, mm-hmm. but... At the same time, like, these guys have done it, just yeah. not quite at the pro level. So no, exactly. it'll be interesting to see how that translates on Sunday. Yeah, and, and what, one thing I kind of wanted to add to that was, you know, I mean, the, the Bengals went, when they played the Chiefs, right, CJ Uzama basically went out on his first or second target. Yeah. Um, he was down, and I, I, th- I think I kind of talked about it in the last episode, but I think that kind of threw out the game plan for the, the Bengals for that entire first quarter and possibly that entire first half with Uzama out because he plays a crucial part in the Bengals offense. So now that they know CJ Uzama is going to be out, I'm curious to see how they incorporate Drew Sample, their backup tight end, into the mix because part of me feels like, you know, if if I'm the Rams, you know, if if they don't have CJ Uzama and they barely used Drew Sample last time against the Chiefs, I'm probably not going to be thinking too much about him. But I will be curious to see what the Bengals draw up for Drew Sample, if anything. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Drew Sample have um, have a, a, a pretty um, good game. Um, I, I, I think he can play a big role for them in filling CJ Uzama's shoes, but that's it really just comes down to the play calling. Yeah. Whether or not the Rams actually practice for that, if, if they prepare for playing against Drew Sample or not. so and That's the other interesting part of it is I don't think we really think about how these teams have two weeks. Yeah. Where they are living and breathing this game. Exactly. That's coming up. And so, listen, they're, they got time to game plan. The Bengals mm-hmm. do. They got time to figure out a plan of attack. Uh, missing CJ Uzama, who's a yeah. big target for them. And a guy that they will utilize, They used to utilize a oh, lot. Yeah. And now that's no longer available. And so, they, luckily for them, had time. I think if it were a weak turnaround, this would probably be a little bit more of a concern. Yeah. For me, from the Bengals' perspective. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't know if it'd be as easy of a fix, but given that you have two weeks, I feel like you get a little bit more of an opportunity to come up with a game plan, whether that's possibly using a guy like Joe Mixon more in the passing game, as he's a guy that's a pretty versatile running back, a guy that can catch the ball in the flat, or maybe use him in screens, stuff like that. I feel like it'll be interesting to see if they maybe try and fill that void by, um, you know, screens, things like that, just mm-hmm. getting Joe Mixon a little bit more involved just through the passing game. He could be yeah. another guy that is a massive, massive key to this Bengals offense, yeah. depending on whether or not the Rams have to respect that run game or exactly, not. Exactly, exactly. So so th- those are our keys, uh, keys to the game 
uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals coming up. And Jack, did you want to lead off some of the keys to the game for the Rams? Yeah, the Rams, when you look at it, they're all in on this season. This is a make-or-break type of team for them. They made a lot of off-season moves, and they've got to utilize a lot of those guys that they are that they went after uh, in the off-season or through trade during the season. First of which is Odell Beckham Jr., but that is him in tandem with Cooper Cup. Both of these guys are elite wide receivers. Cooper Cup, probably the best wide receiver this season in terms of especially when you look at his stats and all the route running and just straight-up speed. He's been fabulous this season. And Odell Beckham Jr. has been fantastic right next to him. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bengals are able to handle two elite wide receivers. Yeah. You know, that'll be certainly something to keep an eye on. And it's got to be a point of emphasis for the Rams to get both those guys going. Because if you just have one of them going, then you're like, okay, we stop him. Then we stop their offense. But if you have both of them going, it gets a little more complicated than that because now you're going – they got two guys that can be extraordinarily explosive. And they are having their way with the defense right now. They're doing what they want. And that cannot be so if you're the Bengals. And so that is a massive key for the Rams offensively in terms of getting Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. going. And that can be massive, massive, massive for the passing game. Now, on top of that... In order to just get them the ball in general, you got to have protection for Matthew Stafford. We talked about the Bengals' pass rush and how that's an important key for the game for them. Matthew Stafford needs time in order to get through those progressions and find his guy. This is a Rams offense that loves their explosive plays. They like taking shots down the field. And in order to make that happen, you got to give Matthew Stafford time. He's got a cannon for an arm, and you got to be able to let him use it. Yeah. Now, the final thing is force Joe Burrow into bad throws and bad passes. Get him on the run. Force him outside of the pocket. You got Aaron Donald, Von Miller, guys that are good, and you got a weak Bengals offensive line. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams brought a lot of pressure, blitzed some linebackers such as Von Miller, try and get a little extra heat on Joe Burrow to not give him enough time. I mean, yeah. we saw against the Chief game, in the Chief game, there were two drives where he was forced into some bad, bad, oh, yeah. bad throws. And so if you're the Rams watching film, you've got to recognize what the Chiefs did in those situations, and you've got to maximize that on the defensive end every single time that the Bengals have the ball and Joe Burrow drops back. Because if he's able to sit back and get to guys like we mentioned, then that's going to be a big problem. And I guess kind of in tandem with that is if I had to add a fourth, it would probably be don't let Jamar Chase ever touch yeah. the ball. Yeah. Like, period. It, you got to live. If you're the Rams, you have to live with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins killing you. Mm-hmm. If, I'm the, if I'm the Rams defensive coordinator, I say, listen, if we lose this game because Tyler Boyd receives for 200 yards, so be it. Yeah. But Jamar Chase is not going to be the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the mentality I think the Rams have to have is Joe Burrow passing to Jamar Chase is not going to happen, mm-hmm. period. No matter what. That cannot yeah. happen. If the if Joe Mixon runs for a billion yards or so Higgins goes off, so be it. Yeah. Good job, Joe Mixon. But we're not going to let happen what we know they have done so well throughout yeah. the season. Those are the key um, keys to the game for the Rams, for me. Yeah. I think if they execute those four things, really, then they should really yeah. be able to walk away with a victory pretty 
pretty handily, yeah. but the problem they have is no one's really been able to stop Joe Burrow or this Bengals team. Mm-hmm. What do you think about them? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I feel like the Bengals, I mean, they're, they're so new right now um, to, to the NFL playoffs, and, and I feel like they're new to the NFL completely because we barely saw Joe Burrow last year, and really this is, it almost feels like a Joe Burrow rookie season right now, to be completely honest, yeah. him and Jamar Chase. So, I mean, I think, again, like, like I said last week, the Bengals, I don't think have anything to lose. I think they're going to be going up against, I mean, I, I, I know this sounds obvious, but I think the Rams are the best team in the league, offensively yeah. and defensively. They're stacked on both fronts. Um, and so this is going to be a real test for them. Um, but, I mean, honestly, having this big of a test for someone like Joe Burrow, who's in his second season, a test this big, for Jamar Chase, who's going up against um, solid defensive players and the full defense that the Rams have. I mean, this is huge for them moving forward. If they can get over this hump and win a Super Bowl, that's uh, that, that that would be unimaginable. And yes. it's huge for their career as well because this is only going to propel them further. Right. So it sets I think, expectation, too. Yeah, exactly. It sets the, it sets the tone for the just the overall culture that the mm-hmm. Bengals would have. It would yeah. change the narrative completely. I mean, they haven't won a Super Bowl. Have they ever won a Super Bowl ever? Um, I think they did. Look up the last time maybe, the Cincinnati the Bengals won the Super Bowl. The point is, it has been a long time no matter what. Um, uh, let's oh, see. Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's, I, I see 1981. Is the thing that's showing up. How uh, many have they won? Have they've never? They've never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so this would be a game changer mm-hmm. for like legitimately. It would it would change the entire culture. It would make people want to play with Joe Burrow oh, yeah. and Jamar Chase. It would Knowing make, that they're going to be there for a long time. It would make too. the Bengals a free agent destination. Joe Burrow is still on the rookie contract. Oh yeah. This team, if they win a Super Bowl, do you know how many free agents are going to want to go there? Yeah, I mean, just think about the, the, the free agent wide receivers. I mean, Mike Williams on that team. And the thing is, you'll be able to construct a roster for the next two years mm-hmm. because Jamar Chase will be on this rookie contract mm-hmm. where you just put those guys on two-year deals to where that'll expire at the same time as you would have to pay Joe Burrow. And you can maximize this time with a rookie quarterback, kind of like the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes yeah. when he was really the becoming a phenomenon yeah. in his second, third season. Yeah. He was still on a rookie deal. And they assembled a fantastic team around him because they could afford to. Yep. You know, they let Alex Smith go because that cleared a ton of cap space to go and get a bunch of other really good players. And that is how I think that you become a really good NFL team for a substantial amount of time. Mm-hmm. As you start with a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on a smaller deal, and if he's awesome, you have a couple of years to assemble a fantastic yeah. roster around them, and you get to maximize the cap space because you're not going to pay your quarterback exactly. or Jamar Chase for that matter. Yeah, you can assemble an elite, elite roster in this yeah. offseason, especially if they win the Super Bowl. That's probably yeah. going to happen anyway now. Yeah, yeah. But if they win the Super Bowl, that goes to an extreme. Exactly. No, no, I, I, I completely agree. Um, the, the Bengals have something special here, without a doubt. Um, whether they win the Super Bowl or not. They are destined, and um, they're 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 destined for great things. I think they're going to be a huge um, hot spot for free agents this coming season, and even for the seasons to come, just based off of the type of young talent that they have right now. Um, 
But it's it's interesting on the other side of that though, because on the other team obviously is the Rams, and their future is pretty murky. Mm-hmm. It can go a t- about a billion different ways. Yeah, where they're at right now, I don't think they have a first round draft pick till about the year three thousand, and they have used most of their cap space. Mm-hmm. Listen, like you got Matt Stafford now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he responds in a big game like the Super yeah. Bowl game that he has not had to get anywhere close to in Detroit. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how he responds. But, I mean, like I was saying, they kind of went all in on this year, mm-hmm. the Rams did. And so it's kind of Super Bowl or bust. Yeah. Like, I can't help but feel like even if they lose, it'd kind of be like that's a disappointment. Oh, it would you know, yeah. Even if the Bengals lose – at least you got here. Oh, yeah. You know, but if the Rams lose, you're like, man, we should have won. Yeah, because also you know? with, with the Rams, I mean, not only did they invest heavily into a team for this season and they actually make it and made, and sorry, and they actually made it to the Super Bowl, but also, I mean, it's like if you don't do it this year with this type of roster, when are you going to do it? I don't, I, I don't know if Von Miller is going to come back next year. I mean, I, I don't know how old he is or how he's doing physically. I know Matt Safford's still going to be there for next season, maybe the season after that. But still, you're kind of like, you know, look. I mean, well, what, what more do you French need? guys that are going to be on contracts, yeah. and who knows if you're going to be able to pay them or, uh, you know, all that. Uh, there's just so many, so many different variables that the Rams have to deal with, and the Bengals do not. Yeah, uh, you can't help but feel like there's a lot more pressure on the Rams to yeah. win this game. No, there, there is know, completely. Because and the Bengals cannot really lose here. I mean, there's obviously a best-case scenario. Well, yeah. But at the end of the day, they've already won, mm-hmm. you know, just by being here. And that puts an immense amount of pressure on the Rams, who it's Super Bowl or bust. Yep. And you've got a, you've had career years from yep. a multitude of players. Yeah. And, again, like like you just said – if it doesn't happen this year, when are we expecting it to happen with this roster? Yeah. And and you what know? more do you need to add, right? Because I don't know it seems what you do. That's the thing. It seems like they have the right players in the right positions. It just comes down to where do you need to I mean, improve. So Aaron Donald's like one of the best defensive linemen. Ramsey, you made a massive yeah. move for him. He's still awesome. Yeah. Von Miller. I mean, you got Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., Matthew Stafford. I mean, running back, I guess, could be a little bit better. But I mean, yeah, but, but, but even, even the running game's all right because their offensive line's so strong, right? right. You don't need the, 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 the biggest running back, the biggest name brand running back out there. I think you if you were the Rams, you would have to just say, we're going to run it back. Yeah. There's there's no real improvement that there I isn't. feel like you can make from this roster. Yeah. It's about as good as it gets Yeah, for an, for an NFL team. So it's kind of like... What what do you even do? Yeah, I think the real only option is you retain as many as you humanly possibly mm-hmm. could, and you try and run it back um, exactly with that squad because I don't know, man. I mean, it, it just feels like the Rams have so much more weight on them. Yeah, going into no, this game like that is that is a real thing, and it'll be interesting to see whether that makes them play harder mm-hmm. and prepare a little bit more. And be a little bit more professional about it, and take it a little more seriously. But you know, yeah, it, or it could be that they they play a little more tense. Yeah, you know, it, that could go a multitude of ways. And Sunday we'll find out, though. Yeah, so Sunday we'll find out. So we've been talking about this preview and previewing all the keys of the games, but now it's time to make our picks. Mm. So 
Jack, if you will. You want to go score or just team? Score and team. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I have mine in my head right now, if you want me to I start do, too. I'm float I'll let you go first, then, because I'm okay. floating. I'm, I'm, I know who I think is going to win, but I, I'm, I'm, the numbers are, I mm -hmm. haven't worked out score so, yet. I have a general idea, though, so I'll let you go. So, <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. So, I'm taking the Rams. Um, I wouldn't say it's a simple pick for me. Um, but I have to be honest, I think the experience is going to help them. And also the fact that the Bengals are going up against the, the, the one-two punch of Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller and their offensive line, I just don't think is going to be able to actually withstand that type of pressure. So I'm going Rams. Um, both of these teams have great kickers. Um, I don't know how much they're going to be used, but I'm going to go um, and choose the Rams over the Bengals 24-17. to Hmm. Okay, I think it's going to be a little more high scoring. I think that the Bengals are going to get their punches in. I think both offenses will, for that matter. Um, I think that the Bengals are the more fun pick here because yeah. they're kind of the wild card in the whole thing. But mm -hmm. the Rams are going to win. I mean, top top to bottom, you just look at the yeah. roster. Like Joe Burrow is king of the world right now, and he's insanely fun. And so mm -hmm. is Jamar Chase. But like, who else? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no one else. I really am like. There's no Aaron Donald, no. you know what I mean? There, there's no, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cooper Cup. Yeah. You know, so that that's my biggest issue with the Bengals, even though they do have Joe Burrow, who is probably the most fun player in the game. It, the Rams have the more talented, most well-rounded roster, and Matt Stafford's going to win a Super Bowl, so that's going to be pretty neat. Um <laughs> Who have, I would have never believed that if you yeah. told me when he was still on Detroit, because he felt yeah. like a Detroit lifer. He was just gonna be no, there. For, he, did. he was just gonna be there for twenty years, and then one day he's gonna retire, and we're gonna be like, he's still he's still playing. Yeah, <laughs> that'd, that'd be it. It looks like he was gonna be a franchise legend, but um, what what do you think the score is gonna be if you had to put oh, one there? score? Um, yeah, I think it'll be actually very close. I think uh, Rams walk off field goal thirty one twenty eight. I think the Rams lead most of the game though, but I think like I think it'll be like 28-14 type of deal. Sure. Bengals make a late run in the fourth quarter, get two touchdowns, then Rams kind of say enough's enough and then yeah. they kick a field goal to win it. Yeah. I that mean, that is very specific. Um, but that is a way that I could certainly see yeah, the game going. Totally. Well, folks, those are our Super Bowl previews and our Super Bowl picks for you guys. Make sure to comment down below who you guys think will win. Because we definitely we, we definitely want to see what you guys have to say. Um, but anyways, we are going to move on to the end of the season picks. Um, obviously, when this video comes out, it will be Wednesday, and so on Thursday, February tenth, um, the NFL honors and awards ceremony will be taking place. Um, and so we just wanted to give you guys what we thought were some of our picks. So Jack, if you wanted to start us off with who you think the MVP is going to be? Yeah, MVP feels like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> um, that feels fairly obvious um, to most people who've watched the NFL this year. Mm -hmm. He is still the best quarterback in the NFL, and he will win MVP. Yeah, because he like it's pretty consensus. It is like, yeah. like there, there's not much debate about who's going to win that. No, exactly. I mean, he he has I think what, 37 touchdowns, and then five picks or something like that. So yeah, I mean, he's he, been he's awesome. insane. Back to back MVPs. Um, Pretty much wrapped up for Aaron Rodgers. And then in terms of coach of the year, um, I'll be honest, I think Zach Taylor's got to win it for the Bengals. I think he has to, too. I mean, you just took the Bengals to the Super Bowl. Yeah. 
That is no small task, yeah. especially without a real a, a, a real established offensive line either. I mean, he 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 went out on a limb and took Jamar Chase in the first round of the draft this last year, and you know people weren't sure if that was the right pick. But look, I mean, if he can get it done offensively without an offensive line. You know, if, if if that's something you want to try to have a crack at, then by all means, go do it. But he succeeded in that, and I think he's going to win Coach of the Year. Um, so, so again, whether or not the Bengals win um, the Super Bowl, credit to Zach Taylor and just the entire Bengals coaching staff because they really deserve this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, that, that just feels like you shouldn't have to think about too much. Yeah. There's certainly other possibilities um, for coaches that could win, yeah. but... Given what he has done with the talent on the roster that he has, he has absolutely maximized the roster yeah. that was given to him, and that is not something a lot of coaches can do. Exactly. Um, AP Comeback Player of the Year, probably Joe Burrow. Yeah. Uh, tearing his ACL last season. I know this kind of, like you said, feels like his rookie year, but yeah. technically it's a comeback, yeah, so yeah. No, it is. he'll win it. I mean, he's a quarterback that's playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. He is awesome. Everyone loves him. He's bound to win something. This feels yeah. like the most likely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and this was kind of in my head. I was kind of thinking that it, it could be between Joe Burrow and uh, Nick Bosa, you know, because Nick Bosa mm. had quite the year um, coming back. Right. Um, and but but ultimately, be, I I I think because the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl and Joe Burrow led them the way that they did, there, there's no reason why it can't be. So yeah, Joe Burrow, comeback player of the year. Um, now offensive player of the year. Um, this is straightforward. Cooper Cup um, is going to win it. Yes. But I did want to mention um, Jonathan Taylor. Um, it's really too bad that he's not going to get any recognition this year. He might get like a running back award. Yeah, but I mean, even at that, not not one like not not a huge. It would not make the news. If yeah. So so I I did just want to mention that Jonathan Taylor has had. An extraordinary season. Um, I know all of you guys at home wa- that that watch football. You guys know that. You guys don't need me to say that to you guys. But this guy deserves some credit. But Cooper Cup was just ridiculous. I mean, over yes. two thousand yards receiving, had hundred sixty, hundred eighty receptions or something like that. Yeah, he's just been ridiculous. That's so, basically the bottom line. Yeah. He's also playing in the Super Bowl, so that yeah. Means, well, he's on a good team. Exactly. Jonathan Taylor is not on nearly as good of a team. So. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it comes down to that type of stuff, really, at the end of the day. Exactly. Um, for the next award, Defensive Player of the Year, I imagine it will be T.J. Watt, mm-hmm. Steelers. I mean, that's the reason they made the playoffs to begin with, because yeah. guys like him. And he's just an elite, elite line. I mean, edge rusher, outside linebacker, defensive end, whatever you want to classify him yeah. as. He is so, so good. He's had great, great seasons, kind of back-to-back now. Mm-hmm. And he's a real leader for the Steelers team. Without him, they are not what they are. And he is extraordinarily important to that defense. There's a case to be made for the defensive rookie of the year, uh, the winner that we'll talk. I'll talk about mm-hmm. in a minute. But T.J. Watt, uh, he, he's extraordinarily good and well-deserving of this award. Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, he, he's had a fantastic season, and um, hopefully he can come back even stronger next season. I know he was kind of dealing with a couple injuries this year, but... Um, he, he did tie the record um, for most sacks in a single season with Michael Strahan. I think it was 21 and a half or 22 sacks, something like that. Right. So just ridiculous stuff from T.J. Watt. And then now when it comes to the Offensive Rookie of the Year, 
Um, I was kind of in two minds. I was thinking Jamar Chase or Mac Jones. Mm. Um, I, I, I think both of these guys have had superb seasons. Um, and both of them should be proud of what they've accomplished. But I feel like it's got to be Jamar Chase, though. Yeah, I, I, I think the fact that... The the fact that the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl, that's the kind design, of that's the it. that's the difference for it, me. It, it really is, and um, and then yeah. he's the he's the number one offensive threat on the offense. He is he of is. the Super Bowl team. Yeah, yeah, of, of the Super Bowl like, team. Like that yeah. is that is enough to be like, yeah, you're pretty good. Yeah, you know. But so, but um, I I did again just want to give credit to Mac Jones. I mean, what he's done. It, it it's funny, but um, I'll, I'll say this again. It doesn't feel like Mac Jones is a rookie. It really doesn't. Mm, no. Feels like this is his third, fourth season playing. I mean, he, right. he seems like such a professional. He seems like such a leader. And yeah, I mean, even though I don't think he's gonna win offensive rookie of the year, he he has played outstanding um this Certainly. season. So Yeah. And then on the other side of the ball, we got defensive rookie of the year. Micah Parsons is gonna win this. This is another one that kind of feels like yep. chalk. He's kind of been the guy that's going to win it since like halfway through the yeah. season. The amount of, I mean, there's an argument to be made for him winning defensive player of the year, period. Yeah. And so he is an extraordinarily good player, made immediate impact on the Cowboys defense in his first year. He's been awesome. He feels like a guy that is pretty obviously going to win it by this yeah. point. Um, what are the odds on it? Yeah, like he's, he is. Heavily favored to win yeah. this award for a good reason. It, it it'd be absurd for him not yeah. to. So, Michael Parsons is going to win this. I'm not even going to say like he should. He yeah, is. he will. <laughs> He's yeah, going to yeah. win this. He will. So, that is what we've got for end of the season picks, and we are approaching the end of the NFL season, which is crazy to think about by this point because it has been. Weeks of yeah. NFL football. It has. It has been weeks and weeks and weeks, and now it's February, and so it's about that time. But it also is time for the NBA trade deadline, as the NBA season really begins to ramp up. We're more than halfway through the season now, getting a lot closer to the All Star break, and so things kind of get interesting as teams kind of start to scramble a little bit and figure it out. And so, as today is Tuesday, I am positive that stuff will have happened probably by Wednesday or maybe by the time you view this. So, if something's not talked about, it's probably because it, uh, it just happened. Um, now, the first trade I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to talk about these chronologically. I'm going to talk about these in an order that flows best. So, first off, the most interesting trade to me... One that really made me scratch my head, kind of for both teams, and then I kind of understand what was going on a little bit later, was the trade that happened this morning where C.J. McCollum and a couple other guys like Tony Snell and Larry Nance Jr. were sent to the Pelicans um, in exchange for guys like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, a couple of picks, Josh Hart, who's a solid role player, and... I think Sedaransky was in that deal. I don't know. It was that one was interesting to me because that was a move made by the Pelicans, who are right now tenth in the West, for a guy that averages twenty points a game, who was a win now player. That said, if you look at where they're at in the standings, they are significantly behind very much so behind the Lakers, who are ninth in the West. 
And so right now, at 10th, you would qualify for the play-in, but like, you're not... You're not helping your cause by making this trade, it seems like. Well, yeah, you're just trying to secure the 10th spot. Yeah. Like, why is that worth trading a bunch of young players for? Yeah. You know, just, it feels like this, I heard this, I, li I was listening to a bunch of stuff about this trade, trying to figure out how I felt about it, and... The thing that struck me the most was this was a move by the Pelicans front office to win now and try and make the plan because they're trying to keep their jobs Yeah, in the front office. This is a move of like, we just have to show that we're having a little bit of success. Mm -hmm. So we got to trade these young guys because with them, we might not make the plan. Because they are, the, if you look at uh, really um, the bottom, the teams that are battling for 10th, Sacramento, who is three spots behind them, is only two games behind yep. in the standings. So there's a four-team battle yeah. for 10th in the West right now to make the play-in, mm -hmm. which is not the playoffs, but it gives you a chance. It gives you a chance, And yeah. it shows that you're trending in the right direction just in general. And so you're not one of the bottom five teams in the conference, which is a bad spot to be. And for the Pelicans, who have been a team that have not had the success that people thought they would two years ago when they got the number one pick with Zion, mm -hmm. when they traded everything away, they got Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, mm -hmm. when they signed Steven Adams, when they, got all, when they made all these moves, people assumed that they were going to be the team that was young and awesome. Yeah. And that has not happened under this front office. And so they've got to be feeling a little bit of heat now, especially from Zion Williamson, as there has been rumors in the last year or so that he's unhappy with the organization and management and he doesn't know how he feels about it. You obviously want to keep your best player happy and in order to do that, you kind of got to trade for players that don't necessarily fit with the timeline yeah. that are in their prime right now that can help you win games immediately and that's what they did with CJ McCollum and it's just guys trying to keep their jobs. Yeah. It's just guys saying like, we did something. We went out and got a guy that is probably the best guy to not make an all-star team in the NBA. You know, he averages 20 points a game. He was the second best player on those Portland teams that made the Western Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. He's a good player. Yeah. He's a really good player. And he's going to be good for the Pelicans. But in no way does it fit with the timeline. They got rid of a bunch of young players for him. And it just felt weird. Um, that said, I, on the other side of that, you have Portland. And Portland's in an interesting situation with Damian Lillard. So what this is for them is not a trade for the assets they got in return. It's more of getting rid of C.J. McCollum's contract. Um, there have been rumors now about them possibly going after Jeremy Grant from Detroit, a player that I think would fit very well with Portland. And then you um, had the salary dump earlier with Robert Covington and mm -hmm. Powell. Um, we, I'll talk about that trade in a minute. Yeah. But all three of those guys, McCollum, Powell, and Covington – are big contracts. Yeah. And so that is just clearing a ton of cap room, wiping the entire slate clean of these guys who are supposed to be our best players mm -hmm. and saying, we're going to figure this out in the offseason. Yeah. Where a lot of teams are not going to have cap space this offseason. They're going to have an opportunity to go out and kind of rebuild. This is them punting on this season, saying, give us some young assets like Nikhil Alexander-Walker mm -hmm. and a good player like Josh Hart, and we're going to get some cap space to work with, and we'll be able to figure it out this summer because... We're making the playoffs most years, so which one you're not making it? Mm -hmm. You know, like we're they're they're okay with that, and that's the that's why they made those moves. It's mainly interesting to me just because New Orleans is trying so hard to get the tenth spot. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So so yeah, that, that that's one thing I kind of wanted to bring up. So what what are your thoughts on this? Because 
I, I rarely see teams, two teams that are competing for the same spot, make trades with each other. Right. So, I mean, what, what do you think about that? Who, who do you think is coming out on top of this? And, like, I mean, why, why would they make these types of trades with the team that they're competing with? Yeah, New Orleans made this, or Portland, first off, made this trade because they don't care as much as New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So they're willing to give them the other player. But you're right. I mean, very rarely do you see teams trade interconference like that, especially kind of with a team that's so close to them in the standings. That's yeah. pretty odd. But Portland doesn't really care about the season. They've sure. kind of given up, thrown yeah. in the towel. The Pelicans, on the other hand, are like, we better do something. Mm-hmm. Because we had, oh, I forgot to mention, like Lonzo Ball yeah. and guys like that. And so and they signed Devontae Graham, traded for Jonas Valanciunas, and they haven't done anything yeah. in three seasons. And they've constantly been making the move that's supposed to like put them in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And they still are not there. And so you got to feel the seat getting a little bit warmer yeah. if you're in the Pelicans front office going like, what are we supposed to be doing? Because sure. we've done like we've made every trade, and I think they just weren't patient enough. Yeah. And that's irreversible by this point. So now they're going, let's, why not? CJ yeah. McCollum, give it, give it to us. Sure. Let's make the play and why not? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, let's see what we got next. Now, the other trade that's interesting that kind of has to do with this Western Conference race for the 10th spot was the Kings. Now, this upset a lot of people on NBA Twitter, them getting rid of Halliburton specifically. Now, the trade was. Jeremy Lamb, Justice Holiday, and DeMontis Sabonis in return for Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Now, Sabonis is the best player in the deal. The guy going to Sacramento from Indiana. He's a two-time All-Star who's 25 years old. Yeah. He averages 20 points and 12 rebounds and like five assists. The dude is awesome. Like He's a really, really good basketball player. And... Indianapolis is kind of in a situation to where they're blowing it up. Their current roster is not working for them, so it's better just to kind of start over Mm -hmm. and make everything fresh and new and kind of punt on the season, kind of like um, the Portland Trailblazers are, and that's exactly what they're doing. And, man, they they got two really good players Mm -hmm. in return out of this deal. They got Buddy Heald, and they got Halliburton. Yeah. Halliburton's 20 years old. Yeah. And NBA nerds love Halliburton because his stats are amazing. Now, granted, their stats are on a really bad team, mm-hmm. but his stats still are really good. He's a guy that doesn't make mistakes. He's a very solid player. But I feel like there was kind of an overreaction to them letting go of Halliburton. And here's why. People forget how good De'Aaron Fox is. And he averaged 25 points a game last year. A lot of people don't realize that, that he did that in Sacramento. And so this season it was kind of like they're going to get rid, rid of Halliburton or Fox. Mm-hmm. And Fox feels like the guy they're going with, and I'm fine with them keeping him yeah. instead of Halliburton. Now, Halliburton's still probably going to be a good player, but in return you got a guy that's 25 and already been a two-time All-Star. Yeah. And that's what people kind of forget. They're like, how could you get rid of Halliburton? Sure. But it's like you got a 25-year-old who's a two-time All-Star already, yeah. and he that's has just 20 solid. points and 12 rebounds. Yeah. Like, what do you think you're going to have to give mm-hmm. up to get that type yeah, of return? Yeah, yeah, You know? You have to give something. And so, like, it makes sense. Like, yeah. he's still a young player. People kind of overreact because people in the NBA love the potential of a guy. And a 20-year-old who has yes. great stats on a bad team, people are going to love that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're getting a guy that's proven. Is Halliburton going to be all-star? It's possible, but, like, I wouldn't necessarily bet on it. Mm-hmm. 
You know, like I think he'll be good. Yeah. But I wouldn't bet on him being an all-star. Sabonis is 25 and he's already been an all-star. Sure. Twice. He's he's gonna be an all-star this season. So it's kinda like Yeah, they had to give up a lot, but at the same time they got a lot in return. Now the problem the Kings now have is they got a overcrowded front court with Rashad Holmes and Marvin Bagley and guys like that. So they're going to make more moves. Probably Harrison Barnes will move, but it'll be interesting to see if they make a push for the 10th spot, a team that has not made the playoffs since 2005, 2006. So they are just a rat franchise that they just got the, they just, they just acquired the best player that's now on their roster, though. Yeah. So that, to me, is a step in a direction of we're trying to get better players. Sure. And so from that perspective, I'm happy about it. And I understand why people are upset about Halliburton, but I think at the same time it's a bit of an overreaction. Yeah. Um, I think the Kings, I understand more why they are making a push just to get any type of success. Sure. And to make any moves in the right direction. Now, from the Indianapolis side, they now have a bunch of chips that are really good. They got Ricky Rubio, who's on a big contract that's an expiring from the Karis LeVert deal, um, where they got rid of him and sent him to Cleveland, which yeah. I love for them. That gives yeah. them another score, kind of lets them replace Colin Sexton because he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Um, and this gives Indianapolis Buddy Heald, who's a heavily sought-after player, is one of the top five shooters in the league. He's 29-30, so he's getting older, but he's still very, very good. There are plenty of teams that will want him that are going to be willing to give up a decent amount to get him. So I like it for Indianapolis. Just acquire assets, acquire players that are tradable, um, get draft assets, get young players like Halliburton. I love the direction that their franchise is heading in right now in a season that was pretty underwhelming for them. You know? Yeah. Um, and then finally, I guess we can talk about the hypotheticals. That's all the stuff that has happened. Yeah. That was a mat. If you had a hard time following, that's okay. It really, that's in, if you're on NBA Twitter all day, <laughs> then it would make sense. But at the same time, there's so many, that's the problem with NBA trades. Yeah. NFL trades are like a player for like yeah. pick. Yeah. And then NBA is like, parts, though, NBA, NBA is like, it's going to be four picks and three players yeah. for like four players. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that just moved. Um, so there's a lot more moving mm-hmm. pieces. And I just said that about as quickly as I possibly yeah. could. Um, bottom line is, don't like it for Pelicans. Like it for Portland, depending on what they do with the cap space they just got. Yeah. It can look good if they end up getting good players. It looks bad if they don't. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they're just giving themselves opportunity, which I kind of am a fan of. Yeah. Um, Sacramento, I'm a fan of it, which is a pretty controversial opinion to have right yeah. now. I'm a fan of it, though, because I think it's them trying to win. And I think that's what they should be doing. And Indianapolis, I've loved everything they've done so far. And Cleveland, I like the Levert pickup. Yeah. Um, now, the bigger stuff, the drama of the NBA, because the NBA has to be dramatic or else it won't be the NBA. It's the most dramatic sports league that we have. Um, that's just the way it yeah. is with players. Um, James Harden and the 76ers, like, I don't even... I've gotten to the point with the whole Ben Simmons thing where I'm like, I don't even care. Like... Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't like it's gonna happen eventually but like James Harden clearly doesn't want to be in Brooklyn much longer yeah. and, like I saw some stuff today saying like he's gonna opt out of his contract now the problem for him is if he stays in his contract he's gonna make I think over 60 million dollars when he's 37 if he stays the contract that he'd be eligible Jesus. to sign 
So it'd be hard for him to walk away from that. Mm -hmm. The best chance is he does what he did in Houston. He signs the deal and then yeah. complains immediately right after. Like, I don't actually like it here. Yeah. You know what I mean? That That's the NBA, the way the NBA works is yeah. guys sign the deal and then are like, yeah, I want to be out. Yeah. And so that feels like a good option. But Ben Simmons, I mean, he he's a guy that continues to sit. It The thing about NBA trades is all in the details. Like... For the 76ers, apparently the guy they're not willing to give up right now is Maxi, who's a young guy, young point guard, very good. But they're wanting to give up a guy more like Seth Curry, sure, which makes a little bit more sense because you're getting shooting in return from yeah. James Harden. And I, I would want to keep Maxi because he's more Ben Simmons. He's very good defensively, stuff like that. He's a long athletic point guard. Sure. And so you're kind of keeping what you're giving away and you're getting in return a guy that's basically better Seth Curry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So like I would like that a lot. But then for some reason the Nets want Maxi because he's young. Honestly, if I were them, I would take Seth Curry. Yeah. But I don't know. That that whole thing is a mess. We'll see what happens there. Originally the craziest thing is originally for the headline on the notes, I was like, is anything even gonna happen in the NBA? <laughs> I had that this morning when you sent it before all the other trades. I yeah. was like, I don't even know if anything major is going to happen. Yeah. Then immediately two big trades happen today. And so I'm like, well, so that means that much bigger stuff's probably going to happen in the next two days. Yeah, no, exactly. Because a lot of those trades could be trades for trades. Yeah. You know? So like, and it's the whole NBA trade deadline. Next week, I feel like this is probably going to be a lot <laughs> longer oh, of a segment sure. because by that point, a lot more stuff will happen. And. Man, just crazy stuff. Yeah. The one thing that has been taken off the table, though, and this is the last thing I have on the topic, is Bradley Beal um, is done for the year. He had season-ending surgery, um, or he's going to, and this basically takes him off the table of any trades right now. Yeah. It'd be much more likely to happen in the offseason. So that's the one thing that happened there. Oh my gosh. A lot of stuff has happened. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff will happen, but it is so much fun. Like, I don't think I missed anything. I was worried I would because yeah. so much stuff. It feels like, I know like three things have happened, but it's so many players and yeah. stuff. It's just like, oh my God. You got to mention it all, man. It's ridiculous. And I cannot wait for Thursday. I believe the time's two o'clock because that is when in about a 15 minute span, about a billion things are going to yeah. happen. And it's just going to be sensory overload of trades. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's so much fun. And I love the, the mm -hmm. NBA trade deadline is my favorite trade deadline yeah. for this reason. Cause the theatrics of it all, it's easily the most like dramatic mm -hmm. of all the, totally. the free agencies and trade deadlines of the NBA are just, they never cease to disappoint. Yeah. And this year I thought might be disappointing. I was like, man, it feels like everyone's going to be happy and content yeah. with what they have. And as always, no one ever is in the NBA. Yeah. And so that's how it is. Um, do you have any thoughts on anything that that happened with uh, any of the trades in the NBA or anything like that with Ben Simmons, James I mean, Harden? I mean, all I can say is that when you put a, a bunch of multi-million air athletes in one league, you're going to get a whole bunch of drama. You're going to get dr drama queens crying about not wanting to be where they are, drama queens wanting more playing time and all that crap, so... It's nothing that I didn't and expect. And the thing that makes it so complicated is players now sign the contract with their current team, and then a couple months later they're like, I want to be gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's the toughest part of it is like nobody really leaves in free agency mm -hmm. anymore. Everything's done through trade. Yeah. 
So that just makes it even more interesting. Yeah. You know, that's what makes the trade deadline more interesting. So, yeah, it makes it so exciting. It's because you have guys like up. Ben Simmons and James Harden that are not happy with their current situation that are mega stars in armed mm-hmm. contract, but they're available yeah. to be picked up by any team. No, exactly. Any team could swoop in because literally until this morning, no one thought CJ McCollum mm-hmm. was going to the Pelicans. No, I, I, I didn't see it coming. No. I mean, it is crazy, crazy stuff, and... Teams are apparently willing to compete for the worst spot where you're okay. Yeah. And the 10th spot. Yeah. Like, you're literally playing. They're playing for the last spot just just to get in there. Barely to get in. Yeah. They're playing for a spot to play for a spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. And, like, it, it, the odds that you make it a 10 are insane. Because mm-hmm. you're having to play two games on the road and you're having to win both. Yeah. In the West, you're having to play, as it would stand right now, the Lakers are 9, so you'd have to play them first. Which, that would be fun. Go play uh, LeBron James on the road for a playoff spot. I'm sure that will go well. And then the Clippers in Minnesota again. You're not, like, it's not going to happen for any of those teams at 10. And so it's kind of funny to me that they're the ones that are making all the moves right now and trying (laughs) to compete for something Mm -hmm. that at the end of the day is going to be worthless. Yeah. They'll just give you a worse spot at a draft pick. Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah, the harder you try now, and the better you do. Honestly, the worse though, off you are. I like it. Yeah, like the competitiveness. Yeah, just to try and get in. I, I don't want to like, see tank bowl. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I like that the 13th worst team in the West is making a move for a two-time All Star. Yeah, you know, instead of being like, we like Halliburton, we're gonna blow it up and get a bunch of young assets yeah. and try and develop, and we'll be good forever from now. I kind of like the aggressive move. Yeah. You know, I don't know how you feel about that in no. terms of well, I, being I, aggressive and trying to win. I, I can totally under, uh, understand that in a different context with my Oakland A's. Yeah. Um, I'm tired of this prospect crap because even though prospects work out for other teams, whenever we get them in trades, I know that they're going to be trade bait in two, three, four years. So we're not even going to get to use them. And that's what so, kind of ends up happening with yeah. like the Kings, for example, mm-hmm. is like, like I said, they haven't made the playoffs since like 2006 yeah they haven't been in 15 years 15 16 years and there's a reason for that mm-hmm. um, you got to change something and, and so at one point or another yeah you got to go like we're gonna go get an all-star mm-hmm. yeah obviously what's been going on for the last 16 17 years is is not working whatever philosophy you guys have been using obviously it's evolved and changed over time but it's yeah. not working so I, i'm fine with them doing something different yeah. this is not gonna be the end of it for them so <laughs> They, they, like I said, they got a loaded front court. Marvin Bagley, a guy that was the number two pick in the draft just two, three years, three years ago now. Yeah. Uh, four years ago, actually. He was the Jaron Jackson Jr. draft. Trey Young and Luka Doncic, and they yeah. all went behind him, and he went second. Um, but he wants out of Sacramento. He's 22 and was a former number two overall pick, so yeah. I'm sure he'll be on the move. Um, it'll be that. That's where it gets interesting with them. Um, Barnes, he's been rumored to be looking at places like the Knicks, places yeah. like that. A team like the Knicks is probably going to be one that makes some moves. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I would imagine most teams at least do some stuff on the on the fringe. And so that is where it gets interesting. That's where it gets fun. That's going to be the NBA trade deadline. Yeah. No, Jack, thank you, man. That was, yeah. that was, that was very informative. Oh, yeah. So um, lots of rambling, but lots of points, I think. Exactly. I no, exactly. So. <laughs> Anyways, everyone at home, thank you so much for tuning in to this nice episode. That is going to be 
um, the end of our show tonight. But we did want to say thank you again for all the continuous support and make sure to subscribe down below if you haven't already and make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and check us out on Spotify as well. Um, comment down below who you think is going to win the Super Bowl and also what the score is going to be because we want to hear your guys' comments. Um, and until next time, we'll see you guys later. Thank you all.